I'm Todd Lyons. I'm Natalie Crandall. And I'm Mackenzie Kitchen. And this is the Innovate on Demand podcast. Welcome, Mackenzie. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Wonderful. So what brings you to thinking about doing an Innovate on Demand podcast with us today? Well, I am immersed in the world of data and data literacy in the government of Canada. One of the things I'm working on is a a foundational data course, which will probably be out by the time the podcast comes out, um, but also uh, a data competency framework and working with some uh, departments and agencies on how to map data literacy and uh, think about how their organization can move from where they are now to a state of data readiness and data maturity. So when you talk about a data literacy and mapping it, what I'm understanding, uh, particularly in context of the competencies and such, is really understanding what the, 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 the level of competency, if you will, of the employees within any organization, mm-hmm. a team, a branch, a department. Yeah. Um, so this is, to me, this is a really interesting thing because how do we bring that quickly? How do we bring, how do we raise the bar on, on a topic like that very quickly? All you hear about is sort of this pressing need for everyone, every area of business that the federal government is involved in, every service we deliver to Canadians, where we feel like we actually need to better understand our data, we better need to use our data, we need to understand how we need to change and pivot, and how do we do all of that? Yeah. So how do you, um, that's a very lofty <laughs> <It's a big laughs> um, um, thing you're working on then. So how do you do that? How do you? Well, I can give you my perspective, and there's many. In the Digital Academy, there, we're working on it on a number of fronts. Foundations, which is uh, aimed at all public servants, and especially the uninitiated. So if you're thinking about somebody who's maybe on the front line or someone who doesn't, the word data in their role doesn't resonate for them, why should they care? We've had data since we've had computers. Why do we care now? And the answer to that is the exponential increase in data, the internet of things, 5G, expectations of the public for service. So making that case of why. Um, so foundations, Digital Academy also has premium. So that's targeted, um, design, DevOps, data, machine learning, AI streams for practitioners to go through a three month intensive learning, uh, experience. And then we're also targeting leadership as well, recognizing that leadership is pivotal for the change that we're trying to make. So there's that piece. And then there's bus rides, which is sort of bite sized learning for all public servants again. The way that we're thinking about proficiency levels, data is so big. It's like if you take a a realm of study like science, you can go so many different directions. There are people who specialize just in data visualizations. There's people who specialize in machine learning and AI. There's different streams. So we're considering the, you know, as an organization enterprise level, the very many competencies that would be required for data maturity. And then looking at, you know, a digital academy can't do this work. It's, it's up to departments and agencies to look at who they have in their data roles to do some kind of organizational assessment to see what level of data literacy they have. And then to, to go through an exercise where they determine where they want to move to. 
and um, Digital Academy is hopefully there to support them in in that part of the journey. Um, we're finding it really helpful to consider all of this because data is so big and so broad to consider it in light of personas. So personas is another way of um, talking about different data roles within an organization. So targeting executives and frontline and business policy analysts and data scientists, all of whom require a different proficiency level and also who require different competencies. So when we have a competency framework that right now has 21 competencies listed. Of course, not everyone needs all those competencies and not everybody needs a high level of proficiency in all of those competencies. So determining those learning paths and setting that out um, to be able to start curating content, you know, we're, we're talking about Foundations is great. We're really talking about mindsets and we're talking about the why and we're really targeting those courses to the uninitiated, right? The people who don't know uh, why data is important in our context today or how it's changing how we work. But then where do they go from there? What's the 200 level course and the 300 level course, the kind of the bridge between foundation and premium or equivalent content? So thinking about those kinds of things and for those various different roles and streams. So we're really trying to leverage what's happening in the government of Canada the best we can. There's a lot of departments and agencies that are thinking about this. There's some very bright minds at work and some amazing products that people are coming out with. So we're hoping to bring that all together and curate it and make it uh, something that's accessible and then consider you know, the various different personas and proficiency levels that, that we have to create. Can you maybe dive down into one persona and give us sort of an idea of a specific competency or skill to a group mm-hmm. and, and how you might, might think that one through? Yeah, um, for I think sure. people get really, uh, as you say, those uninitiated. Uh, I think people have a huge amount of understanding around data and digital at that foundational level, but they might not use that terminology and that terminology might actually be kind of like the word innovate, right? Yes. Uh, the, lexicon, very, very, yeah. the lexicon's <laughs> a big blocker. There's so, We have gone in so many conversations about what words mean in this particular context. Um, yeah. One that comes to mind is uh, certainly manager or executive. And I, I don't use those interchangeably. There's conversation happening around what exactly that persona should be. These are all very fluid at the moment. And the other thing is, is whatever personas are landed on, they're not one size fits all. It's like 80% solution, 80% yeah. of the time. And departments and agencies are going to have to work around the edges and and develop their own. But that's an interesting one because they're a consumer of data analytics products, whether they're visualizations, dashboards, reports. They can also have a data stewardship role. So they may be, I don't like this word, but a data owner where they're actually the decision maker to grant access to a certain data set or to make a data set open. So there's a stewardship role. They're a decision maker, so they're taking decisions based on the data that they're receiving. And then they may also have a part to play in data collection if they want to assess the, if they want to assess that input and collect data and see what effect it's having. 
there may be a governance sort of piece that a role that they play. Yeah. They may manage uh, data personnel who have have data specialty. So there's it's a persona that then um, this is some of some of the debate around personas is like well should you make a, a persona a data steward um, and a data you know a data consumer or an analytics consumer sorry well an executive might be both of those things so an executive mm-hmm. might be three different personas. So should we make the persona executive or should we make the personas these other things? So this is a, some of the debate. It it gets complicated as you slice and dice it. It's very complex and it's very big. The way I see data literacy in my mind is almost like a three-dimensional matrix. It's like I have personas as one way to access the matrix. I have proficiency levels as another way. I have competencies as another way. And it's Figuring that out from an organizational perspective and then assessment. How do you assess? The only way we're, we're thinking about, you know, that makes sense is to have, you know, in our environment, unionized environment, it's not like we can provide everybody with a standardized test. So we have to ask people to self-evaluate and that has its own drawbacks. So it's an interesting process to figure that out. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It's a, it's a challenge because it's a lot of the human centered skills and competencies that we need to actually promote. Um, So there's a bit of a dichotomy there around constantly using those words around data and digital and innovation. What we'll actually talk about is like, you know, let's sit down and think about this. Let's see, like, have a conversation. What does the person who, you know, needs to use this think about all of this? Yes. And and sort of, it's a different way of thinking. Yes. So how uh, would you say, uh, you said you worked at the Digital Academy, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know uh, by being in the same branch as the DA, of course, that uh, how we work, how we work has a huge impact on what we're able to accomplish in this space. Yes. I think like any complex problem, it's not going to be a linear approach. I mean, I'm currently in the process of developing Discover Data, the foundational course on data for all public servants. And we're, we're using an agile methodology. We're working in sprints. We have many partners. Um, we've got a lot of people who are uh, from the federal government community. We also have um, municipal government, provincial, and uh, we also have uh, a stakeholder UK government as well. So there's a lot of voices added yeah. managing those uh, those various different partners in a lot of different ways. So content design, getting feedback, running pilots, etc. We're trying to work quickly and build a prototype and get it out. So that's one of the things, you know, we know from our um, digital standards, building a prototype, building a wireframe, getting it out, getting feedback. And actually we're, we're, uh, we're delivering a prototype of it this afternoon and getting feedback from this community, recognizing this is a, a community of subject matter experts. I mean, we work using collaborative software. We're building the entire course in Trello. Everything's on Slack. It's um, That's amazing, though, that you get to come to the data conference mm-hmm. and have a bunch of subject matter experts actually feed into the uh, course, feed into your, Help your us Discover build the course. data course. That's yeah. amazing. And that's the name of the game. I mean, we yeah. can't do this alone. It, the old methodology of we're going to build it in total isolation. And then when it's perfect and it has a bow on it, kick it out into the community, that doesn't work. So we think we all recognize that. And everybody is, you know, we've got StatsCan as a major partner. We've got Defense as a major partner. There's 
there's partners who are already doing, they've done a lot of thinking. They have a lot of expertise to bring to the table. It doesn't make sense for us to try and have that expertise and not leverage what we have. Yeah. The the fellows as well, right? Um, yes. The Canada School of Public Service fellows, where we'll be using them as well. Very interesting. So I personally am always fascinated by anything where we start actually talking about uh, generating some data on what I consider to be my favorite topic in the federal public service, which is our human resources. Uh, so similar to you, who's working on your, your, uh, on the competencies of the digital competencies. Uh, I've been working on a uh, skills inventory for employees as well. And I'm really excited because I feel like that piece of sort of starting to understand our workforce and starting to be able to understand the skill sets of our workforce and how we can move those and develop them and, and, and how we do all of that. That to me is like that first layer of data that we need to embrace and gather that data and learn how to use it and learn how to make sense of it so we can do the rest of everything we need to do in government. Yes. Um, Ian uh, Shugart said, we're behind. I can't prove it. And I can't tell you how far behind we are, but I think we're behind. And I think in, in the use of our HR data, that's where, to me, that is a glaring area where we are behind. Reading up uh, about what other companies are doing, Google and Apple and things, and how they manage their human resource data, it's incredible what can be done if we can have some kind of database that allows us to manage our human resources. And given that we're, you know, whatever we are, 250,000, yeah. <laughs> you know, that we, that we could actually tap into our talent, that we could move our talent around more effectively, that we could create better pathways for people to advance their careers. You know, I remember when the Digital Academy was stood up and I thought, Finally, the answer to my prayers as a learning coordinator in Vancouver to be able to deliver some of the, this content to people. Never did it cross my mind I'd ever get to work there. Now I'm working from Digital Academy, for Digital Academy, sorry, from home. This also opens up this yeah. new way of working it, that we can have virtual teams, we can have the right talent working. It doesn't matter where in the country they work. So there's, uh, there's a lot of possibilities that are really exciting to me. That's actually, I'm, I don't work in that area, but I keep my eye on it because I am fascinated by the possibilities in terms of that. Yeah, I just see it as such an enablement for yes, everything yes. else that we're we're really trying to do, you know? Everything. And even if you're talking about data science, yeah. that we could manage our inventory of data science specialists, uh, we can manage our data people, which are difficult to recruit, difficult to retain. We can't compete with private sector salaries, et cetera. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and also, I think... I think a part of that too is, is the part of that equation that's also changing is we're starting to have really valuable, interesting and high impact work available in the federal government in those spheres. And I think yes. that's going to go a long way towards attracting and retaining some, some of that talent. Agreed. Like, that I seems think, to be the new pitch, right? Yeah. It's like, we can't give you the money. We can't give you, you know, on-site child daycare and gyms and massages, but you have a chance to really make a difference. Yeah, you could change, you know, you can change life Canadians for Canadians. Lives. That's yeah. that's amazing and that's huge. That's right. Frankly, I mean, it's kind of why we all go to work every day. It is. That's why <laughs> I go to work. That's right. Yeah. So is this your first time uh, at the DA in working in that sort of uh, 
environment where, you know, you have the ability to telework, you are on a fully virtual and distributed team. Uh, I happen to know that our AGM is uh, a huge proponent of flattened hierarchies mm-hmm. and uh, giving employees as much autonomy uh, yes. as he can. So this is um, my own personal journey with transformation and moving to digital is something that I talk about when I deliver uh, like I'm associate faculty for Discover Digital, for example. And in the last year, I have gone from an incredibly hierarchical, like we had, you know, every classification level and you're kind of like it had to go to your boss and then your boss's boss, and then you know, and it took so long to get anything done. Systems develop for a reason, and I and I understand that. But I have gone from that to fully virtual, working from home, flattened organization. I don't need to ask. I don't think I asked for permission to be here today. You know, like I, it's quite extraordinary. I, I'm not sure I can even quite put into words the profound effect. It's been incredibly challenging, yes. um, but also so liberating. It's yeah. like. I am so engaged and I was a bit disconnected before because it was really, really hard to affect any kind of change. Now, if I have an idea, I have to pitch it for sure. It's not like I can just go and do what I want, but I, if I pitch it and I can get that support, I can go and do it. It's extraordinary. It's an extraordinary way of working. So I recognize not every, I mean, I come from an operational background, Obviously, not every environment lends itself to that work, but I think a lot more do than work that way, if that makes sense. So I'm um, I'm really keen to talk about that and to see how that um, that way of working can benefit others. I found it was really uh, like you. I had it had a profound impact on my understanding of what a digital journey and transformation is, mm-hmm. uh, and it really brought me back to my my change management lens to say like actually. That's right. I mean, there's, there is the technical side of a digital transformation, but the other side of it is 100% a change management side. It is a team. And, and it's when we realize, yeah. you know, there's like the whole concept of organizational change. There isn't a tipping point for an organization to change. An organization isn't a sentient being, but every single individual within that organization has that capacity to change. And then there becomes a critical mass where, you know, it feels like organizational change. It feels like culture change uh, when enough people have embraced that change. Um, that it starts to become the new way, just the way we do things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's... um It's interesting. So I try and talk about my own personal journey with that in the context of of that larger change that needs to happen. And it's, um, it is, it's a powerful experience. And it's like you said, it is a bit terrifying because there are times where, you know, when you have a flattened hierarchy and when you have so much autonomy to drive the things that you're doing, uh, you also have a huge amount of accountability and responsibility. Um, because, you know, all of a sudden you realize, oh, in that hierarchical environment, you know, uh, if this really goes badly, well, my boss is going to have to take the hit for having authorized this That's or right. whatever it is. And so, um, and also I feel like there's a whole different set of levers, uh, that we now have access to, uh, that we never had before. How do you actually engage other departments to partner with you and do things yes. in this kind of an environment yes. and all of that? And it's, I, I found it really invigorating and engaging as well. It's really invigorating. Like all of a sudden it's like, uh, I have, the first part of my career. And then it was almost like a line in the sand. 
when I started to work for ESDC chief data office. Yeah. Um, because that's when I became fully virtual and really started to work in agile way and, and things like that. And now it's like, what I'm hoping is the rest of my career where I really feel like, yeah, a real greater sense of freedom and autonomy and the space to try things. And that's another thing, like that's a key piece of this is spending time thinking about how do we help move this change forward? How, what's my part in that? Cause it's a small part. It's a huge organization. What's my small part? How can I be most effective? And those ideas kind of come quietly and then having the ability to actually try it. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, I can course correct. And um, part of, one of the most profound pieces of this journey for me has been to be able to stand up in front of a room and say, this is a total prototype. This is a wireframe. This is the inside of my mind on a piece of paper. And now here, take it. And I want you to tear it apart. And I want you to make it better. Because at the end of the day, I need this to be better than just the inside of my mind. Right. I'm one person. I need everyone I need else's a, perspective. That's it. I need a diverse perspective. Yeah. I need this to work for for the people I'm designing it for. And I mean, in my case, it's training. Yeah. Um, but whatever it is... And it's um, the first time I did it to stand up in front of a room and I took away all the pretty pictures and I took away all the fluff and what, what I put in front of them was so rough and so raw. And I'm going, I don't, I don't know if I can actually do this because yeah. I, I want my work to be pretty. I want it to be polished. I want it to be professional. That's I'm what I've been great. taught my whole <laughs> career, right? And to put it in front of them and say, okay, now go to town. That's a very different way of working. It makes me feel very vulnerable, but it's also so freeing. Yeah. Like, let's come up with something awesome and we're going to do it together. So I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. My line in the sand was when I became a free agent. Um, But I always find it fascinating that it was like a switch on a dime, right? Someone said to me, you are now autonomous. And I took it and ran with it. So in hindsight, what's causing me grief right now is like, I want to unpack all those years before where I had this sensation that I had no autonomy when it it kind of was a little bit there for the taking. Uh, I think it's there for the taking if you have someone providing you air cover. That is always true, yeah. And I know there's I know there's people who are trying to break out and it's not happening. Yeah. Because there's no air cover. Yeah, well and, and the system can be pretty stifling. It can. It can be really stifling. It can, it can be some So I think spots. for me the lesson in hindsight has been find the air cover wherever that is. And it's more about even like for me making this step it's like it's even in hindsight i realize it's more about the people like find an amazing team that will give you that autonomy develop that way of working and then the passion projects can start to come so that anyway that's how it's worked for me i don't know if that works for others but um yeah there's a there's a mix in the public service there's people who are still very very invested in the hierarchical way of doing things and we don't go outside of that yeah yeah yeah. Well, like the rest of the world, it takes all kinds to make it go round, but we'll It sure does. And you know what? Like I don't I don't say any of that with any kind of negative bias because I come from an operational environment. There's not a lot of room yeah. for this, for these conversations. And when I go and talk to operational people about that, 
they're kind of like, okay, there's all these, it's like a little bit pie in the sky. Like you don't really understand our reality. So we're trying to take that. And I, I'm grateful. I think that's part of what I bring to the table is a regional perspective and an operational perspective that I can bring to is I want to design for those people who are not going to necessarily get a chance to take a day off the front counter to come and engage in these kinds of discussions that we're lucky to have. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Innovate On Demand, brought to you by the Canada School of Public Service. Our music is by Grapes. I'm Todd Lyons, producer of this series. Thank you for listening.